0: Hey there, I'm Jeffrey Rickman, and this is Plain Spoken. This is uh, an effort that I began a little over a year ago whenever I wanted to talk about things pertaining to the United Methodist Church in a way that is honest and from a right-leaning viewpoint. There's a lot of stuff in print, not a lot of people on the internet producing video content like this, and I feel pretty good about the work that I've done. So far, uh, lately, I've been doing a, s- a lot of stuff to build up the Global Methodist Church, which is my new tribe that I'm a part of, and it doesn't get the engagement that this sort of stuff does, where I talk about a lot of dysfunction in the United Methodist Church. Uh, I-, I did a piece about a month ago saying, I'm going to continue to talk about the sin of the United Methodist Church, and it's not out of spite and hatred. It's because I know and love a lot of people that are in the United Methodist Church that are frustrated, whose voices are not heard or considered and I think it's really required at this point to continue to give voice to those who have been removed from the conversation. So there's, uh, there will continue to be chapters like this in the United Methodist Church because it continues to be led by a lot of people who either have bad intentions towards people with worldviews like mine or who just simply could not care less. Um, some of them Uh, mean to do harm, some of them are just incompetent. And of course, I'm not in a position to speak to the inner hearts or thoughts of people. You can only speak to the dysfunction you see on the outside. And what we're going to talk about in this segment is something that I started sounding the alarm about on September 15th of last year. It came to my attention that invitation letters had not been sent by the General Conference organizing staff in order to invite Africans to participate in the general conference. The consequences of this are that this long process of applying for a visa, which often delegates have to go through two or three times in order to get approved, um, many of the delegation of, from African annual conferences, central conferences, would not be able to attend the general conference. Now, why does this matter? One, uh, everybody's voices are equal and worthy of consideration. I live in a nation that had a war of independence based on um, taxation without representation. Uh, You have to be able to vote. You have to be able to participate in the conversation. So that's number one. But number two, the Africans generally do not hold the same theological loyalties and pieties as their North American counterparts. They have they are now the, uh, the majority of United Methodists live on the African continent. They eclipsed America several years ago, and they're much more conservative. They are not on board with the progressive push to liberalize the position on homosexuality, definition of marriage, understanding of the family. They, they are much more conservatively, traditionally, biblically oriented than the majority of American leadership. So, uh, functionally— not to have full African representation. First off, we should acknowledge many of the general conferences that have met in the past have had smaller African delegations than they should have. The way it's calculated is not equitable, but also the the process whereby they invite them means that much of the delegation is not able to attend. Uh, according to Joe DePaulo, I believe that was between 5 and 10% is unable to attend any given session, which is really... Unfortunate, but when they are systematically underrepresented, as they are, as they do this calculation, then um, what that means is it's it's a problem. So, what I'm going to do now is actually turn to an email from Mark Holland of Mainstream UMC. If you don't know who he is, he's the main voice uh, leading them right now. He's a politician in Kansas for the Democrat Party. He has published a lot of material in recent months on how. This affiliation should uh, be closed, and they shouldn't let anyone out. Uh, saying that he knows that he is uh, spearheading a legislative campaign that's going to alienate Africa and United Methodists and cause them to leave, and everybody's just going to have to come to terms with that. I don't like hardly anything that Mark Holland has to say, and I'm sure he doesn't like anything I have to say. But he spoke to the reality of this African representation thing in a way that was very profound. He um. Long and short, he casted a lot of aspersions at uh, Gary Graves in particular and his staff more generally at what seems to be that they've bungled entirely this year's general conference. In April, um, they were supposed to get together finally. COVID ruined the last one, and then they failed to get it together one year and two years after that. Finally, they're getting together uh, last time everybody's gotten together was 2019, before that was 2016. There's been a huge split. There are all these things that need to happen. Um, are they even going to be able to do it? Because the thing is, well, let's, I'll, I'll do some analysis, but let's, let's look at Mark Holland's piece. You'll see my inbox has got a bunch of emails that I need to respond to. I'm sure am sorry if you've emailed me and I haven't gotten back to you. So here's one out. This, this went out when? Two days ago. Holland says, we are 11 weeks out from perhaps the most momentous general conference in our lifetimes. I've heard from many delegates some very significant concerns about the lack of organization and communication from the event organizers. There is no published list of delegates. There is a list from 2020 that has not been updated. The 2020 list was not complete, and any new elections, some legitimate and some questionable, happened months ago. So this doesn't have to do with Africa at all. This just has to do with the 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 good operation of the General Conference staff. You need to know who the delegates are for each annual conference so that people in those conferences can reach out to them and and let them know how they feel about given proposals. That I'm doing a series right now called Considering Charlotte got five different United Methodist leaders that are coming on on a weekly basis and reviewing the content of the petitions being submitted to the General Conference. For a time, I was thinking I needed to do this legwork myself to get the contact information of all the different conference delegates together so that viewers of mine could reach out to them and let them know what they wanted to happen this coming April. I decided to back off from that for different reasons, but Holland, representing Mainstream UMC, they've got a lot of normal mailings they're wanting to send these delegates to tell them how they want them to vote and what they should do. They can't do that if you don't publish this list— which, I'm, I'm okay with them not getting mainstream UMC emails, but the thing is, this is the system as it's designed to be, and the people in charge are not doing it. Why are they not doing it? Uh, the second thing Holland says, there is no contact information for any delegate. We're able to find the U.S. delegates and their contact information on conference websites. So the real impact of this is to completely isolate delegates from outside the U.S. and place them in a communication vacuum leading up to their arrival. This means we cannot communicate with one another to carry out our work. So this is also true. I mean, it's connected to what we were just talking about. He's saying though we can get the contact information for people in the U.S., but there are a lot of people outside of the U.S. We don't know who's coming what's going on. And part of the reality here is I've heard from Nigeria in particular. There have been incidents in the past where the conference secretary actually named different people on the delegation than who was actually elected in session. This is something that happens in different central conferences is there's not that due diligence to make sure that the lists presented are always accurate. But also what's going on, is that the African vote has not been in favor of the institution for some time. They've consistently not been persuaded by American arguments. And the suspicion has been, well, uh, we let them come too early, and they get together with Good News and the other conservative caucuses, and they tell them how to vote. So what they're doing this time is they're only allowing them to come like right before session begins. So there's no time for any meetings at all. They're controlling the movement of the African delegates. They have to get out of there right after it ends too. And so they're, they're trying to control Africans by limiting how much information they get and by who they can talk to, and right now they're doing that by not even letting them be accessed by uh, uh, denominational—I'm sure the denomination has that information—but by caucus groups and other people like me or or you, they do not want those delegates to be responsive to non-institutional entities. And talking to a lot of people in Africa, it does become clear that African bishops themselves want to control the information that their delegates get. You know, um, there, there's there been legitimate concern along the way. Uh, okay, these African voices that are on board uh, with United Methodist Africa Forum, which seems to be pretty clearly funded by American sources, um, these, these Africans that are on board with the Christmas Covenant, which seems to have used American um, legislation as a blueprint, you know, uh, these Africans that supposedly had a voice in crafting the revised social principles. You know, they say it time and time again, well, these Africans, they have a voice and they're having input, but they can't seem to generate a reliable list of names associated with those things. And, um, you know, you can't seem to be able to verify that with many of the Africans. And, you know, these these bishops are decrying any institution, any kind of caucus group that uh, spreads information where they are. So it, it starts looking pretty... Strange, don't you think? Holland says, um, whole delegations, here's the most scandalous part, whole delegations from Africa report that they have not received a letter of invitation from the general conference, which is a prerequisite to apply for a visa. When I reported this in September, um, so there's a legal process that only takes a certain amount of time, but practically speaking, get, getting your appointment going through the process, reapplying if they turn you down, um, figuring out the alternate delegates if, if uh, the, the first delegate turns down. This takes a lot of time, and the window has already closed for so many. But there were people who commented on it calling me, calling me a liar. Um, I was right. <laughs> there have been times that I misreported things accidentally. It's only been small details up until now. But I was publicly sounding the bell on this in September, and I know a lot of people heard about it. I know that that several different clergy still in the United Methodist Church reached out to the general conference staff and said, hey, what do we need to do to get these letters out? And we're given assurances that these letters would get out. It's appalling that, that some—I mean, so what Holland says here, that entire delegations haven't gotten it, I would be very surprised if that was true. I'm, I'm not as— uh, I, I want to know what he's what he's seeing who he's talking to but to talk to Simon mafunda who sits on considering Charlotte um, he's he's uh, in Zimbabwe and he's just said that there's a significant number of individuals who haven't gotten their letters or that was two weeks ago whenever I last talked to him that was the case to say that entire delegations have not been invited if that is true then the legitimacy of this annual this general conference is is I'm not even going to say in question, it's just beyond question, it has no legitimacy. Um, Whenever you're failing to invite significant constituencies of a body, then any decisions you reach are just illegitimate, (laughs) you know? Uh, Millions of dollars and tears and effort has been wasted if this is true, because even if you call the assembly together, they cannot in good conscience come to any conclusions um, you know, and the, the significant thing about this is mainstream UMC benefits from the absence of the African voice, but even Holland knows that if they, uh, have overplayed their hand here, which it seems that they have, I mean, it, that, that assumes it's intentional. It could be that something, something just didn't work out, but especially after, you remember when Joe DiPaolo quit the commission on general conference because, they neglected to communicate with African delegates to see about COVID vaccines and vac- uh, visa status. Well, after something like that happens, then you, you sure better have your eye on the ball and make sure to be including Africans in the correspondence as early as possible. Um, I was told by Simon Mafunda that he spoke with Gary Ga- Graves directly about this issue several months ago and was told by Graves that they had a concern that these letters could be misused— And uh, the particulars of that I can't recall in the moment, but uh, it is known for a fact that Gary Graves and other general conference representatives were aware of this issue long ago and for some reason have not been able to ameliorate the situation. Has there been any denominational response to this? Not yet. No. I'm I'm wondering what it's going to be. Let's let's go on. Many delegates, U.S. and abroad, do not have a working delegate ID number that allows us to log into the website, so that's that's more insider baseball stuff, and I, I don't understand that entirely, but it seems like uh, people who've been a part of this system for a while, you know, as general conference approaches, delegates need to be able to access the information and, and stuff that they need, and for some reason, that infrastructure hasn't been created, even though They've known this is coming for a long time. They've had plenty of time to prepare. Uh, Holland says, many delegations U.S. and abroad have received no flight information for attending General Conference. That's interesting. Many delegations U.S. and abroad have received no hotel information for attending General Conference. And he says, I'm a delegate with the same email address from 2019, and I have not received a single communication from General Conference. So, we are calling on Gary Graves, Holland says, the secretary of the General Conference, to immediately issue a public statement and a direct email to delegates with a process and timeline to address these concerns. Only recently was the updated list of petitions released 477 pages of Reading Bliss. You can find it here. Um, we've also given links to it on the Considering Charlotte. Uh, uh, segment that we're doing. We're going through actual pieces of legislation if you're curious about that at all. Closing out the email, Holland says, um, here's the website for General Conference. It's still called General Conference 2020. And here's a good piece uh, for newcomers. And I I didn't see what that reference is. So, um, attaboy for Holland for caring about the Africans, even if his his, uh, reasons for doing so aren't pure. I mean, who is pure Um, this is very concerning. You know, this is something that, uh, you know, the timing, the meeting of General Conference, this has been an issue for years. It's really crazy that the General Conference staff didn't make it happen, whether it was by intention and design or negligence. It's just nuts. You know, I I asked some people around because I'm not an insider. I've never been to General Conference. I know people who have... But I was trying to figure out, okay, is it really all on Gary Graves? He's the only one that's called out by name here. Um, there are some other people involved that, if if you know them, I'm sure they've, they've already heard about this, but they need to get moving quickly. So you have the chair of the Council on General Conference, that's Kim Simpson. Um, everybody involved reports to Kim. Uh, there's also the chairs of the executive committee. There's um, Bishop Tom Bickerton, who's been involved in the creation of the, uh, this situation. Uh, you've got Gary Graves, of course, and then um, there's the general conference business manager. Her name is Sarah Hotchkiss. Uh, there are a lot of people involved in this. This is not just Gary throwing it together and trying to get these lists together. There's, there's a general conference staff. This is where, if you're a United Methodist, your apportionment dollars have gone to to ensure good functioning of this, and it seems to me and many others that the people in uh, the driver's seat either are just—I mean, as a conservative uh, who's against uh, uh, big bureaucracies, like this is this is just one more instance of, look how a bureaucracy doesn't work. You know, bureaucracies, a top-heavy institution just doesn't work. But um, I would be especially frustrated—well, heck, I mean, a lot of my money <laughs> that I gave in apportionments did go in this direction. And uh, I, I would rather that general conference happen in a functional way and that people could have the conversations that need to happen. But as it looks like is going to happen, you know, Lonnie Brooks called this out. He also sits on the Considering Charlotte crew. Um, there is going to be no legitimacy to this general conference if there is not enough African representation. They're already woefully unrepresented, underrepresented based on how they ca- calculate the number of delegation uh, delegates, um, if they do anything other than immediately adjourn whenever they get together, which is—millions it's millions of dollars have already been wasted. But if they make any decisions without the African voice being considered, that is just appallingly um, classist, racist, American-centric, colonialist. I don't know. We could use a lot of words that approximate what it is. It'll be an illegitimate decision. So I I don't— yeah, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be that Holland is completely off base and a bunch of people in Africa are lying and everybody's invited and it's going to be great. That's that's not really an option. I already know too much about African voices being excluded and manipulated, uh, attempts to to buy them and control them. Africans are not to be done this way. I I don't know if I don't know if there's anything to be done at this point. Um it, it sure looks it looks bad. So um, I, I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it. I don't want bad things for the United Methodist Church. I want them to do well. I want for the majority—it's a conciliar denomination meant to, to have a majority uh, prevail at the general conference level. That's what I want to happen, and uh, I sure hope that progressives don't get their way by pretty much just excluding the African voices and relegating them off to the side. The worst case scenario of what's happened here is they saw the writing on the wall, the institution did, that they just can't sell regionalization. They're just not going to get Africans on board with it. And so they've just intentionally not sent these, uh, these letters knowing that that would exclude the Africans. Uh, they'd get their agenda through, and that's all there would be to it. I don't really think that's what happened that doesn't make sense because you'd still have to approve it at each conference around the world before by two-thirds of the conferences around the world. So I I really can't explain this. Uh, Maybe negligence is the most likely thing. It's weird. It's really weird. So anyway, more things to say about mainstream UMC and points that Mark Holland has made. I'll I'll do a different segment on that someday. Um, I'm kind of up to my eyeballs right now, but I knew that this was an important thing to cover, and there are a lot of people that— that might read about this, and they're just confused by all the the details around this, and they don't know what to believe. This is just my commentary on a, a short uh, letter that, that I, I think is largely based in reality, and so uh, pray for the United Methodist Church, for the General Conference staff, and pray that they get their act together yesterday, so that um, they can have uh, a gathering that is not a waste of millions of dollars and hours of of time. All right, that'll be it for me today. If this is helpful to you, share it with somebody. I always look forward to reading comments. Uh, so many of you are really thoughtful, know a lot of things that I don't. So uh, uh, fill me in with what you know, and hopefully that'll add to better coverage in the future. But God bless you. Thanks for your engagement. I'll see you later.